Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio Podcasts. This podcast is focused on how Merck is reporting on site monitoring, performance, and database lock. It is from the 2022 DFARM Conference. For more information about the DFARM Conference, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit dfarmconference.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. We're going to start with a little bit of context background about our company to give you an overview of the GCTO organization and our approach to site monitoring, and specifically also a little bit about our technology we use for site monitoring, SMART. Then I'll hand it over to Drew, who will talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 in relation to our processes and our systems. And then Kathy is going to speak to us a little bit about how we focused on our relationships with our sites in order to ensure that there was no patient left behind. In this context, we will share some exciting and interesting outcomes as well. Let's go to the next slide, please. First, this is a bit of an overview. Oh, sorry, an overview of the GCTO organization. It's a large uh, cross-functional global organization. We conduct over 300 late stage development trials. In, uh, and this is in the snapshot of a year of 2020, but this is a typical year. We uh, lock over almost 300 databases in a typical year. That's almost a database lock a day. Um, some days more than one. We are conducting many monitoring visits uh, and consequently over 100,000 monitoring visits and monitoring visit reports are generated through our system. And most importantly, we are overseeing the safety of, over of almost 70,000 patients in a typical year. We go to the next slide. We can talk a little bit about our approach to site monitoring. Unlike many other companies, Merck does most of its site monitoring and trial oversight in internally. We do not use outsource providers. So we use the functional service provider model and we have a mix of in-house resources as well as externally provided um, clinical research associates provided through six preferred partners. We also have oversight at the country headquarters country and site level uh, through an integrated uh, clinical trial team. We have a number of oversights and controls that we use to manage and ensure the stabilization of our trials. We have dedicated um, partner line managers and uh, points of contact that work together to coordinate the work of the clinical research associates. We have a partner oversight plans with detailed uh, KPIs for overseeing our studies. Um, this is done mostly through communications as well, uh, important communications through global, regional, and local sessions. One of the elements though that uh, we'll talk a little more about though is how we oversee through the use of data generated through our SMART system, which is used for monitoring visit reports. The next slide, please. So what is SMART? SMART is our internally developed industry-leading technology for site monitoring. As you know, the work of a CRA is um, a challenging one with a lot of travel, a lot of time where they're uh, away from their home offices, working on site or traveling. Um, we have developed an innovative um, mobile application that CRAs are using 
on their iPads that are provided by the company that solve that problem of connectivity and access. It also integrates our business processes along with the technology so that they are able to capture their monitoring activities real time during their visits or soon after during their travel time. This makes their lives much easier and more efficient. Um, and the tool itself is designed with them in mind to make it uh, simple and straightforward and efficient for them to create monitoring visit reports. Our clinical research managers oversee the studies in the country, and they use the smart web portal uh, in a module called My Protocols that gives them visibility into issues and actions, deviations, and of course, the monitoring visit reports as well. They're able to review it in that system, and they also can access that information at any time to see real-time status of the trial at the site. Our clinical scientists use the smart web portal to oversee protocol deviation management end-to-end. -end. They also have um, real-time visibility into the deviations as they're being captured. They use it to officially review the deviations. They also generate reports that are extracted and entered, uh, used for clinical study reporting. So we have a, quite a large ecosystem. Uh, it's serving many of our needs. It's been extremely successful. It reduced the time from monitoring visit report authoring uh, by 50% down to two hours or less. Our CRAs really love it, and it has been a factor in our decreased attrition. And overall, the cost avoidance associated with this innovative technology has been quite significant. But most importantly, it's also helped us to ensure compliance, which has no price. Now I'm going to hand it to Drew to talk a little bit about our adaptations and experiences with the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you, Merle. So everyone at this conference, uh, you know, that's occurring this week has at some point and to varying degrees been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. We've had to postpone uh, sometimes indefinitely engagements, weddings, uh, birthdays, get togethers, you name it. And sometimes we had to cancel them altogether. Uh, it's taken some time for us to get back to work uh, uh, the way we used to consider it, you know, in a normal way. Um, and this is a, a common experience. In fact, we've had to ramp up, uh, or we may have to ramp up actually, um, the precautionary measures, measures again, and uh, it seems like that is in the works as well, as cases arise uh, heading into the flu season. So what has the impact of COVID-19 been on the industry? By now, most of us have seen the stories, the surveys, the data regarding this impact, and generally they conclude the same thing, that the impact to the industry is really a parallel of what's been happening in our personal lives. While many companies' studies were postponed, um, some were even canceled due to the pandemic. At Merck, however, we charted a different path and we chose to continue all studies as planned. So this means no pauses, no suspensions, no cancellations due to COVID-19. You're likely wondering how exactly this was accomplished. Um, so first of all, um, you know, let's review what drives us to achieve this result. And I just noticed that I was speaking to a slide. Um, if we could advance to the next one. Yes, so we can, we can go to the next slide as well. All right, thank you. So how, how did we achieve this result? Well, we ensured our priorities remain firm. And for that to have occurred, we focused on three guiding principles. Uh, one, safety of those 
with the boots on the ground and the safety of our patients on our trials. Two, we always maintain compliance with regulations. And three, we actively facilitated the maintenance of the integrity of our trial data. So with these priorities, Merck demonstrated commitment to patients, remained open for business, and effectively ensured that no patient was left behind. I'll now review how we put these guiding principles into action. Next slide, please. Okay, so site monitoring, as we all know, is really comp comprised of many activities that have some common goals. Above all, to safeguard patient safety and ensure data integrity. Prior to the pandemic, on-site visits were, uh, you know, they reigned supreme uh, to accomplish these common goals. With the onset of COVID, however, and with the initial lockdowns beginning worldwide, the frequency of remote monitoring dramatically increased within the industry, and this was out, out of necessity. Uh, Merck was no different in that regard. Through various methods, which I'll describe further in a few slides, we work to enable remote monitoring solutions for our CRAs uh, to continue their monitoring activities. And that, of course, included um, SCB and SDR, review of site files, and review, review of study drug, all remotely. However, where on-site visits were able to remain in practice around the globe, uh, we took precautionary measures. We implemented checks to ensure the safety of our CRAs at the site and that the CRAs could actually travel uh, to the site for their visits. In addition, as part of the process of focusing the time and the efforts of the CRAs on what really mattered, um, either while on site or remotely, we initiated a project restart, as we called it, uh, to implement a risk-based quality management, management and the principles, those principles, into the activities of the country teams and of the CRAs. Uh, we also tasked headquarters, the study teams, to review site monitoring plans to ensure that the most critical data were being reviewed by the CRAs uh, while monitoring. We supported the CRAs with prioritizing and focusing their activities while on site or remotely, especially as site resources and availability were becoming more and more limited. So to our partners at these sites, um, we also introduced the site health check tool which is a site-facing report that helps the site focus their time and efforts with limited resources. And my colleague, Kathy, will be reviewing the site health check later on in this presentation. So while we adapted our approach to site monitoring, we also adapted our practices to facilitate these changes. Um, how did we ensure compliance to the processes in an environment with unexpected and significant changes to the way we work? Uh, next slide, please. We chose to operate with a goal of always being inspection ready with our processes, our protocols, and our systems. Um, inspection readiness is a state of compliance and it's achieved as a proactive and ongoing process. So as I mentioned in the previous slide, and as the numbers of ex exceptions and guidances um, that we released allude to on this slide, measures were taken to increase remote access for our CRAs and facilitate you know, that connection, that monitoring connection between them and their sites. Uh, there were additional measures to ensure protocols continue without amendments and modifications and to ensure that data could still be collected as per protocol with the safety and welfare of the patients uh, you know, being paramount and remaining at the top of the priority list. So we introduced patient-centric technologies that safeguarded access to study medication um, that the patients were receiving. 
increase their options for completing study visits and procedures, uh, including remote consent where allowed by regulation. And these necessary changes ensured, of course, that no patient left behind while also reducing patient burden and, and safety risks for that patient. So now remaining inspection ready at all times means that we have uh, processes in place that facilitated the proactive logging of exceptions, global or otherwise, and um, utilization of such, such systems as proprietary smart reporting system that Merle uh, described previously. She will also expand upon um, SMART and the capturing of deviation reporting within COVID-19 in a few slides as well. Next slide, please. Okay, so all of the three guiding principles, the uh, safety, compliance, and data integrity, they were a factor in promoting the quick adoption and utilization of the remote monitoring solutions I began, I began to describe earlier. In addition to, um, to that, uh, we also had enablers for our patients, um, which we explored and implemented, um, uh, you know, as I described previously. And then we also implemented these remote monitoring um, enablers um, or solutions for our CRAs so that they could also continue to address the increasing backlog at their sites uh, while ensuring patient safety and data integrity. Um, so remote STV and SDR by CRA is greatly aided by direct ac access to a site CMR, for example. However, it's not always an option. Um, so in cases where the EMR is not an option, and this is often the case depending on the region or the country, other methods, including screen sharing and, and document exchange or repository systems uh, needed to be utilized. And uh, they also need the additional support um, to, for CRAs to continue monitoring. But you cannot simply ask a CRA to use any existing system and ask sites to upload source documents or drug accountability forms. Uh, we identified early on that if CRAs were to use any of these methods successfully, uh, we would need to also draft and uh, release to the CRAs additional guidance to address the, the types of varying systems, uh, repositories, applications that sites utilize, and how patient data and privacy should be protected while using them. And now I'm actually going to pass it back to Merle so she can take us through how smart, the smart reporting system enabled the capturing of COVID-19 deviations during the pandemic. Merle? Thank you, Drew. Can we go to the next slide? So as I mentioned, SMART is an internally developed software solution that we have been working on since 2015, and we've been building it in an agile and iterative manner. Um, this gives you sort of the highlights of our development pathway. It's a growing system um, and it's continuing to bear fruit. One of the great benefits of our system this year was our ability to quickly adapt and adjust our, both our process and our technology to support the challenges being faced by our CRAs when they were doing their site monitoring. If we go to the next slide, I'll give you a few examples. First of all, we were able to implement a change to our questionnaire design um, to quickly incorporate additional questions that could be used for monitoring visit reports, also to standardize the discussion points that CRAs um, could have 
to capture the exact situation that they were dealing with, which as we know is unique from site to site. However, we were able to standardize this because we've been monitoring the situation from early days, from the earliest hotspots in China um, to other hotspots. And through our listening with our CRAs, we were able to generate this questionnaire, uh, which is a supplement to the monitoring visa report um, and helps to further elaborate on the details of, that they are dealing with at each site. In addition to that, we had a process update um, to better utilize the deviation management system. We were able to uh, include the notations of COVID-19 or a tag into the deviations that were associated with COVID-19. Specifically, we wanted to know whether there were procedures or other trial requ required activities that were either not done or delayed or done in an alternative manner as a result of the pandemic. This tagging solution has enabled us to also be able to update our reports to report on those in clinical study reports uh, so that the impact of COVID-19 on our trials has also been able to be um, presented as required. I think I'm going to hand it now to you, Kathy, to talk a little bit more about our engagement with the sites. Thanks so much, Merle. Now you have. Thank you. Yes, next slide, please. Thank you. Now you have already heard from my colleagues, Merle and Drew, just how intentional Merck has been with the development of innovation and adapting to the disruptions with the implementation of SMART tool, as well as the Restart project, while following our guiding principles. Our other common denominator for the three of us, we have actually sat in that hot seat and defending GCP regulatory inspection multiple inspections. So we're not just uh, talking the talk, but certainly have walked the walk. You see pictured here our fearless leader, Andy Lee, who is Senior Vice President and Head of Clinical Trial Operations at Work Global Clinical Trial Operations, truly has set the precedent and set the bar very high that we do not get inspection ready, but we stay inspection ready. Merck GCTO has transformed our story of being inspection ready, especially over the last seven years, and has become the golden standard in defending the quality of our data with robust tools and processes, inspection after inspection, with excellent inspection outcomes. This site health check report is Merck's response to the call from our investigator sites. The survey results prove the need of feedback from sponsors and CROs, hence Merck answered that call. So as a partner of choice for our sites, we are truly committed to our sites maintaining and achieving the same level of quality. Hence, we needed to ensure we brought them along on this journey and certainly maintain transparency of their site performance. Site Health Check is a report card. Uh, that eliminates the surprise of audits and inspection. It eliminates the panic, the tendencies towards retroactive preparation. Further, we are breaking down the silos and barriers of communication and truly going to the sites with data-driven dialogue, which empowers both the sites and the CRAs for maintaining optimal data quality. Next slide, please. If you've ever been a CRA, I'm sure you've been at a site and had to explain um, the state of the data. You know, how can we help the investigator make these changes? How can we help the investigator in site uh, really, you know, understand the trends and 
what better way than to utilize uh, the visuals? In fact, that's, that's the story for many of us here of the past, Merck, GCTO, many sponsors, CROs. Um, today and moving forward, however, at Merck, the CRAs are fully empowered with data, these data-driven conversations that allow for proactive actions on an ongoing basis. The site health check provides the visual. It's very simple. It's a set of performance metrics and you'll see them pictured here on the screen. Like SMART, it is an internal roam system which demonstrates Merck's sheer commitment to innovation and being responsive to our partners' needs. The content of the site health check report includes study and site identifiers, milestone cycle, cycle times, like the turnaround of initiation packets, key metrics, enrollment and retention, protocol deviations. Merle has already uh, shared the value and understanding and following and understanding, you know, what matters most, you know, and how we identify and report our protocol de deviations and compliance queries and, of course, data entry. By the simplicity of just a few clicks of a button, the CRAs can communicate and bring actionable and early activities to the site. Having these key metrics literally in the palm of your hands, explaining in real time and engaging the investigator site has several benefits. But first, let's walk through the order of events for the launching of this powerful tool for investigator sites. Next slide, please. So the delivery of site health check falls into three phases. The first phase being the site initiation phase, simply the CRA is introducing the report to the site. During the next phase, which is the ongoing phase is threefold. The CRA generates the report, uses sites, insights or trends with the site to gain agreement and alignment on any improvement plans and then documents or actions agreed upon per the SMART process. And then the last and the closeout phase, the CRA conducts a final review of the lessons learned, hence creating once again, that end-to-end, -end, you heard that in SMART, you heard that in the Restart Project, intentional implementation of the holistic discussions with that, with that built-in iterative feedback loop. The ultimate delivery for this report is to ensure of the open and transparent discussions with the opportunity of the, the site to respond in a timely manner leaving no patient behind. Let's also examine a few more of the benefits of the site health check report. Next slide, please. So the benefits of the site health check are certainly synonymous to uh, not just preparing, but indeed staying inspection ready. Ultimately, the site performance reports can optimize clinical trial outcomes and certainly strengthen these partnerships. So we have the key metrics, they're organized in visuals, they're simple, they're easy to read, user-friendly, um, available for on-time data-driven discussions. Supporting these discussions with the sites and the CRAs is really building that relationships along the, the, the course of the trial. And last but certainly not least, it fosters that environment for driven collaboration collaboration and also continuous improvement. But we also have a few more examples of our evidence positive outcomes as a result of our implementation of our tools and processes that were shared during the period of disruption. Next slide, please. Skip to the next slide, please. Thank you very much. Um, we have our favorite color, we'll call if Andy Lee were here, he would say that's his favorite color and that's green. Uh, phenomenal even through the pandemic. All monitoring visit reports 
follow-up letters were on time. In fact, we achieved a new level of compliance, so improving even through the disruption. We got even better in 2021 than the monitoring KPIs uh, were in 2020. Uh, we, we superbly attribute this incredible time, attention, and dedication of our Merck partners, stakeholders, and colleagues in choosing to maintain compliance. Next slide, please. And as Drew talked about earlier, database locked, achieved, and planned. You'll see that, that infamous color green again. Despite all the disruptions, we did not miss one single database lock. That is phenomenal. And it really displays Merck's commitment to data integrity, to patient safety, reliable trial outcomes remains as a priority. And you see those numbers, 184 interim um, database locks in 2020. 2021, 134 locks achieved, and then 2020, 21 and on. We are fully, fully committed to um, ensuring of the, the, the reliable trial, trial outcomes. Next slide, please. So in summary, Merck Global Clinical Trial Operates made a paradigm shift during the pandemic, and we truly answered the call to ensuring our quality is still embedded in clinical trials purposeful, intentional actions. They add value to what we do every day. I'll borrow from Andy Lee, our fearless leader. Data, our data is our currency. And our people, our patients are priceless. They are the MVPs and the core of what we do, why we do it, and how well we do it. So in conclusion, if we follow our tenant our principles set forth by GCTO and Merck, we can have reliable outcomes in clinical trials. However, we must continue to make the paradigm shift using technology, answering the call to intentional and deliberate adaptation of our processes and tools as demonstrated by SMART, as presented by Merle, uh, as presented by the Restart Project, as presented by Drew and Site Health Check. We remain purposeful, innovative, and adaptive. We also build trust and we focus, we can focus on what matters most. So our story of Merck within global clinical trial operations truly demonstrates we choose compliance. We are inclusive, addressing and adapting to our ecosystem, using new ways of working to remain open for business. We secured the safety of our colleagues and of our clinical trial participants in the wake of current, and we are prepared for disruptions to come such that no patient is ever left behind. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I think that was the last slide. Hello, um, my name is Danny McCarthy. I'm part of the DFARM team. Um, and maybe Sarah can come on screen as well. And um, to our audience, we have time for Q&A. If you have any questions, please drop them in the chat. Sarah, can you hear me? 
Sorry about that. Can you hear me, yes. see me? We can hear you. Okay, great. Well, that was a fantastic session. Thank you so much for, for sharing your work with us. Um, do we have any questions from the audience? Nothing yet, but um, maybe, is there anything that you can share with us, Sarah, about what you took away from this or anything to kind of get the, the pump primed? Yeah, so I had a question for, for Catherine. Um, and can Andrew and Merle uh, come on the screen as well? Okay, great. Uh, and uh, Catherine, so one of the questions I had was, you know, I love the idea of the report card and um, the KPIs that you've built into the, um, the scorecard and that you're getting feedback from uh, sponsors and CROs. Um, is there any thought to potentially also incorporating patient feedback? Yeah, that's a great question, Sarah. Um, of course, we want the patient feedback and, uh, and Merle may stick, speak to this a little bit more. We are a, a metric centric organization because we believe in the value of our data and the currency of our data. And that's certainly you know, something we, we do obviously take our patient, our patients come first um, as part of our core mission, but uh, certainly we, we can certainly consider that in terms of the, the future. There's always the next the next development. Obviously, these are ingrown systems, um, both, both Site Health Check and SMART, and we're always looking for the next version, you know, the greatest to help us through these disruptions. So that's an excellent point. You can certainly consider that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And hopefully it kind of builds on um, what mm -hmm. we didn't get right with patient satisfaction scores within the right. hospital setting and really yes. thinking about how we can evaluate um, you know, the patient experience from start to finish and, and really think through uh, even that retrospective assessment to determine how we can build that into future clinical trials. So that, that's, fantastic. that's fantastic. Um, any other questions from the audience? There's nothing yet. We do have more time. Um, so please put in any questions you have about the process, about um, any challenges. Were there any challenges in kind of getting this off the ground or any hurdles that you weren't expecting? I think uh, the entire pandemic was was a hurdle, <laughs> hurdle in itself and unexpected, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think Kathy spoke well to it with with her ending, you know, kind of message that um, we at Merck we look to adapt at every turn, and um, even even though Merck is a large company, we do try try to remain as agile as possible. Um, we we do look at the data and we use that data. We utilize the data uh, in order to help. Um, you know, kind of address things in an iterative fashion. Um, so, um, you know, to, to, your, to your question about um, if anything, um, you know, was an unexpected, the entire process was, but we were able to quickly adapt to that uh, just based on, you know, the, um, uh, you know, how we prioritize um, uh, what we do at Merck, so. Definitely. And I'm curious, I mean, obviously the theme of DFARM is all about, you know, what innovations and what processes are we kind of taking forward into the future? And is there anything throughout this process, obviously having to adapt very quickly, you know, it, it shifts things, it changes things. Is there anything where you think, wow, this is like such a great way of doing this moving forward? Anything like that do you think, you know, this is something that I want to carry with me, that, that really is the best way of doing it, that was maybe elucidated by the fact that we were in a strongly ch changing situation? I will take that one if, you, if you're okay. I think actually, yes, quite a bit. I would think, especially when we think about our monitoring processes and how we've had to really pivot to a lot more remote monitoring, we're trying to learn from that experience. Uh, a lot of people would like to 
you know, continue to benefit from the value of remote monitoring. So we're actually, we've been working in the monitoring excellence team on better defining the processes for remote monitoring. Um, and I think Kathy can probably speak a little bit to some of the longer term plans around that. Um, but I'll say also from the SMART point of view, um, the COVID questions were kind of, we thought they'd be temporary, but we find that there's value in some of them. And what we're trying to do is use those learnings and analyze the way that information's been gathered so far to adapt our routine monitoring visit report templates for the future to incorporate some of the new standards about in our ways of working. Kathy, I don't know if you want to add some comments sure. too. I'll do a, a shameless plug for yes. integrated monitoring. I'm shameless. So uh, this mm -hmm. pandemic, although we did not start, no pun intended, we did not start to adapt our monitoring process because of the pandemic. Thank God we did. I think mm -hmm. the whole industry was caught off guard. Okay, what do we do? We can't get to the sites. Well, we had in place already, you know, the restart, which is restart project, such that, you know, we still focus on SDV, SDR, and no one's doing 100%, but the discomfort and, and not doing 100%, there's, there's, there's still a shift, right? There's still an opportunity to push that envelope, but um, actually, the regulation requires us to embed this space quality management. So all of these, um, the perfect storms together really have, you know, gave us the opportunity to develop, you know, the restart, develop our monitoring, and now we have adaptive integrated monitoring, and now we have a risk evaluation and adaptive integrated monitoring, a full organization that's going to really, you know, pull the organization through in terms of being adaptable, being able to still focus on what matters most and, you know, where we're choosing, you know, to be compliant. So it's a remarkable outcome, you know, of the pandemic. Uh, we're still working through, you know, how we adapt to change, shifting of that mindset, which I think is all of our struggles. So um, mm -hmm. it's presented a grand opportunity. We definitely try to take advantage of those opportunities, you know, to really ensure of, you know, our reliable trial, trial outcomes through adaptive integrated monitoring. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if I may add to that, actually, uh, Danny, um, so Merle mentioned that, you know, with our processes, particular monitoring processes, you know, we do need to see where the balance is going to be, right? Uh, I think we introduced a lot of this remote monitoring aspect to it, but based on when CRAs are able to get back to the site and we can confirm or verify that they were actually able to access all the data that they thought they had um, access to remotely and uh, successfully able to, you know, uh, uh, Review review all the via source uh, doc verification and SDR. They were able to uh, remain compliant. Um, if we're able to confirm that was occurring um, remotely, when the CRAs are able to get back on site, then I think we'll we'll have some data to to allow us to move forward to incorporating these uh, permanently into our processes. And something that I just thought was curious, and that um, Kathy mentioned, was the idea of mindset. And I mean, I think innovation is great, but innovation for innovation's sake, it's not over sustainable and it's, you know, it moves on to the next thing. So can you talk a little bit about mindset of, of keeping an adaptive and an innovative mindset um, and, and what your plans are for that? You know, when we're out of, out of the pandemic or when we're in the next phase and it's not that same urgent need to, we cannot go outside. We have to do this this way. Do you have what are your thoughts on that, on kind of keeping that momentum and keeping that mindset and, and bringing people in with you? Yeah, I think we are, uh, we, we operate cross-functionally. 
we do not operate in silos. In fact, we have to break down those silos and really build a change mindset through change management. It's a core part of you know, the way we function, the way we um, implement any initiative. We have a very, very strong project management organizations that, that, that teaches those tenants. It's not easy. It's not that you, um, you know, break open this new initiative the first time. It's the first seven times <laughs> and never have a surprise. The larger, the more complex the organization and somebody says, raises the hand immediately and says, what are you talking about? Um, we, we have to get out of that mindset that it's, it's completely okay. It's human nature, you know, to not want to change. But looking at the benefits, looking at the risk benefits, you know, really, really ensuring, you know, we have the, the next in mind that we're not caught off guard because it's not a matter of um, uh, if the next, you know, disruption will come, nor if the next inspection will come. It's when it comes, you know, we will be ready. You know, we will have our processes tried and true in place, and we we will have a shift to the mindset. I mean, I think it's, it's just continuous process improvement, which we embed. Um, we have a very, very strong quality department, project management office department, and um, we work cross-functionally. We, we absolutely have to ensure we're checking in with each other. We're not being redundant. Uh, we're, we're addressing the gaps in real time. So it really helps us to really focus on change, which is eminent. Is, is yeah. there anything post-pandemic that um, that you're hoping, you know, based on what you've learned from these report cards, is there anything that you hope to sustain going forward? So, for instance, you know, uh, telemedicine, you know, was kind of thrust into the spotlight mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Uh, we saw that decentralized clinical trials were um, also suddenly in the spotlight uh, during the pandemic. But there are a lot of wrinkles that we also have to iron out to ensure that sustainability. You know, so for telemedicine, we're looking at things like telehealth literacy, for decentralized clinical trials, we're looking at some of the concerns that patients have as it relates to privacy. So is there anything that you've learned along the way from these report cards that you potentially hope to um, iron out going forward, but also potentially sustain post-pandemic? I would say sustain of quality. You know, the, the innovation cannot create <laughs> your quality. We're still human. We still need to ensure. And we can't force, um, you know, a, a process for the technology. We really have to think ahead. Um, we really have to adjust, be adaptable, you know, make our shifts, and especially in terms of setting up a strategy when we when we do these um, these initiatives and, and sometimes um, include the right partners, you know, including our right stakeholders and actually accepting the feedback. Everything won't be perfect, but um, again, maintaining that adaptive mindset, mean, meaning you're focused on the patient's safety and, and focused on data integrity. There is no, um, there, there is not, no answer um, of not meeting that. So we just have to really maintain focus on the quality of the data. That's great. Yeah, it's, um, it's just interesting when we have started to work with patients as it relates to decentralized clinical trials, you know, there's so many, um, there's so many pros, there's so many, you know, wrinkles that we still need to iron out, but there's um, such tremendous potential that, you know, patients aren't also finding out about early on. And so mm -hmm. you know, our goal is to ensure that they're aware of some of these phenomenal technologies and innovations that are rolling out, but at the same time, look at how to improve that experience mm -hmm. to ensure that, again, this is something that, um, you know, increases, increases enrollment, increases retention, increases um, just the overall satisfaction and hopefully the, the health outcome. 
Yeah, I think we also have to take a look at today's world and we're experiencing a lot of social injustices and really make the shifts. You know, um, we have to acknowledge, you know, the trial, the clinical trial disparities that exist. Um, this is part of our culture. This is something that Merck is embedded. We're fully, fully committed, committed to diversity and inclusion. And that is directly impactful to the patients, um, equity directly impactful to the patients. If we create some fancy tool, handheld tool, and send it out to the patients, but the patient is more worried about whether they have electricity versus they can actually use the tool. I mean, we have to fully recognize, you know, the power we have and, and be very conscious and cognizant in the way we implement this, uh, these technologies such that ensures a patient equity. I love that you just said that. I, I just recently gave a, a whole hour talk on the difference mm -hmm. between health equality and health equity. And, you know, we, there's, there's a vast difference, yet we don't necessarily peel back the layers and look at the specific examples of what that means and how, you know, the, the future is really about that personalization component. Yeah. And so there's such, uh, you know, potential with the power of uh, decentralized clinical trials and things of that sort, but it's just a matter of really ensuring that we're also bringing those voices early on to design what that looks like and to really determine where those barriers are to um, really put in place the 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 solutions so that we can help people along the way as they're encountering some of these um, these barriers. Absolutely. Uh, is there any other um, thought to how to potentially address some of the, the health equity uh, barriers as it relates to decentralized clinical trials, for example? So access to digital, um, just anything uh, from that perspective? This is a question for, for anyone. Okay. Yeah, I know that um, within Merck, we're definitely, uh, you know, I think um, Kathy spoke to this a little bit. We're, we're looking to incorporate, but not at the expense of, you know, actually patient, um, uh, their ability to participate in a trial and their ability to actually um, successfully participate in a protocol. So um, we've, we are slowly implementing um, these patient-centric um, technologies, as I mentioned earlier, um, looking at the data that comes out of that in order to see what we can utilize um, moving forward with our protocols and what we can embed into the protocol writing uh, for these studies in the future. Again, keeping the patient in mind um, uh, and they, that they can successfully actually complete the protocol required um, uh, procedures. Um, otherwise, you know, what's, what's the point? Um, so we, we are definitely looking at that. And uh, that is something um, that the pandemic, I think, pushed forward, um, you know, much more quickly. Um, so we expect to be able to embed that within our protocols, you know, in the near future. That's fantastic. That's fantastic to hear. Um, well, with that, Danny, um, I I'm not sure, are we? Yeah, so we're um, kind of wrapping up with the session. I would love to, um, before we bring on Laura Kling and Ralph Passarelli, uh, Ralph Passarella, sorry. Um, I was, do you have any kind of final messages? Or I think it's always helpful if you have kind of a call to action or anything like that of something that you hope people take away from this session, anything to kind of leave our audience with before we bring on our next speakers? Kathy, Kathy would you like to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> You're great. <laughs> Kathy is very inspirational. I love listening to Kathy, so 
No, I just honestly think, um, you know, we have to think about, I'll use um, uh, Andy Lee's quote, you know, data is our currency. It's a famous quote. It's an infamous quote because it it really is true. It means so much. Um, that's why we pour so much into the, the quality of our data. It really is incompromisable um, along with the, you know, ensuring of our, our patient safety and our, and our data integrity. And I think it's incumbent of us as and responsible that we remain um, empathetic, you know, to the patient. The patient is 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 the one who's the MVP, like we said in the closing. So these tools and processes and you know all these fancy bells and whistles really um, don't mean much unless we can get the drug to the patient, unless we can safely ensure of the patient safety. And you know, at the end of the day, we're not um, compromising any quality, and we're staying inspection ready. Definitely, we actually do have one time for one. Um, well, we have time for. Uh, uh, but we have one question in the chat from Archana Sa. Um, to promote equity and oncology studies, how is Merck handling the oper operationalization of custom solutions to patients and the cost, impact, and complexity of operations impact? That's a hefty question. Yeah, um, I think I, I spoke a little bit to this earlier in that this is something that I think we're still exploring, right? Um, the custom solutions, so patient-centric solutions. Um, I mean, those are, those are great aspects and very important aspects that need to be considered, the cost, impact, and complexity. Um, so that's, that's something that uh, I don't know that I can necessarily answer because it is, um, you know, we're, we're piloting with, within a few studies now uh, to see how they can be fully embedded into our protocols, um, but, it, but we are paying attention to those, um, to those certainly. Yeah, and maybe I can add um, GCTO operates according to what is called the sand cone model of operation, meaning um, we're not focused on costs and we shouldn't be focused on costs. We should be focused on data quality. If you embed the quality of the data, then um, you know the, 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 the cost savings will come, but that's not our primary focus. And that's you know, that's one of our tenants. We, we focus on the quality. Um, quality is, is like we said, incompromisable, but that's one of the models that global clinical trial operation um, utilizes in the operation of our, of our study. I won't um, take a stretch and, you know, speak oncology specific. This is just high level from the global clinical trial operations, one of the operating model. Um, that's the model we use. Well, thank you all so much. I'll pass it back to Sarah. Yeah, thank you. So uh, Merle, Andrew, and, and um, Catherine, thank you so much for a fantastic session. Um, and if anyone has questions for our speakers, uh, feel free to continue putting them into the chat. For more information about the DFARM conference, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit dfarmconference.com and that's d-p-h-a-r-m conference.com thank you and we hope you enjoyed the podcast hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.